Remember the name! And my goodness, it's gone way down to Swansea. Finishes off in style. I was, I was sat in the cabinet room and I was like, who's the mill meeting? The big man, the fridge is open. He's flown like a gazelle. What can Chris Gale do? He goes low. Oh, you rat. You've got a man beside you. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrongland Talks. This week, me and Ollie are chatting with friend of the show and Yorkshire batsman Will Frayne. Will came through the Durham MCCU system before moving on to Notts and then signing for his native Yorkshire, and 2020 was set to be his big breakout season uh, before coronavirus, but all of that has had to be put on hold. But he's got loads to say on the MCCU setup, which has come in for a lot of criticism recently, as well as uh, furloughing, taking pay cuts, and the more everyday concerns which cricketers have at the moment. I mean, cricketers are a lot like me and you uh, than they are uh, than they are like Premier League footballers. They've got bills to pay, they've got families to provide for. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, discussion about the more grounded concerns about, about players paying the bills, ultimately. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we hope you enjoy it. So we're joined by uh, Yorkshire opening batsman uh, Will Frey. It's great to have you on, Will. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Ollie. Very well. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? Uh, how are you coping with lockdown at the minute? Um, yeah, it's 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 going on a bit. And it's dragging a bit now. Um, I'm quite busy with my rehab though, and my knees. So I'm staying busy there daily, doing all that stuff. And uh, recently purchased a house, so that's keeping me busy as well. Just trying to sort out stuff with that. So it's all right to be fair. It's it's not too bad. Um, I wish I was playing a bit of cricket, but so is life. I'm sure everyone else wishes they were doing something else as well. Now there's loads that we can uh, talk to you about. We'll go through a whole range of topics in our, in our chat today, but I sort of want to start um, with your journey in cricket to date because it's been a sort of a whirlwind year, year and a half for you. You're, you're at Durham uh, last year with us and then playing for the MCCU uh, sort of got picked up by, by Knotts and it, and it went from there really, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was always um, always my ambition to be a professional cricketer ever since I was, you know, sort of 10, 11 years old. I knew that I wanted to do it. Um, but yeah, it's been a bumpy road, you know. Um, it took me a while to get into the Yorkshire age groups. Um, when I did get in, I only lasted about two or three years until I was released through injury and poor performances, really. But, you know, it was one of the things I, really, I always wanted to do it, so I never stopped working. So yeah, you were, you were started playing for not uh, sorry for Worcestershire, didn't you? And then that was a platform for you, I suppose. Uh, yeah, went to boarding school down there for my last two years of school. Got on with them boys, learnt a lot, played pretty well for them actually. Went up to Durham, met Paul Grayson, and obviously he came into the job at the same time I joined uni. So we and we clicked very well um, as a coach, kind of player role, and he was instrumental I think in kind of making me see that I could kind of go the distance if I you know worked on some certain things and it just kind of fell into place in a way I mean it was just right place right time obviously I scored 100 against Sussex on tour in Cape Town which kind of set off the 2018 season and did all right in the first got a 60 or now in the first class game and I'd already played for knots a bit uh, trialing for them and Ambo to their second team coach was very good to me and, and seemed very keen on getting me some game time. And then, yeah, right place, right time. Played in the twos game. Pete Moores was watching. Uh, got some runs. Invited me down to a training. I was in the form of my life. I was in a bit of a purple patch. So I, I batted well against against their kind of top balls like Harry Gurney and Borley and Samit. And that was it. I kind of just got offered, got offered a summer deal and 
kind of it was all a bit of a blur to us. It was a bit mad being sat up in the in the Trent Bridge uh, seats, kind of looking at everything and remembering all the amazing games that have been played there, and then thinking that I was going to be playing there was pretty surreal. To be fair, I think there was that that game at Lancashire, wasn't there? That was. I mean, it all happens so quickly. Like, even for for your friends, it was felt a bit weird. So for you, I can't imagine what it would be like. Was that the moment where you were like, "I've actually made it here"? This is, you know, you got NASA Hussein talking about you on 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 Sky, and, and you're coming out to bat in front of how many thousands of people at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think um, I'm a bit of an overthinker, so it's probably a really good thing that I was up all night kind of doing an essay before that. Um, but I didn't really have time to kind of get nervous or think about obviously I was nervous but I didn't really have time to really I was really glad actually that I had to just drive up to Manchester after training get my kit from Trent Bridge get it all named and numbered up and then go have one training session with some blokes who I'd not even met before like Ross Taylor and people like that I just met and was like hi I'm Will <laughs> nice to meet you um, I'm sure they were just thinking who the hell is this kid like, it was a scraggy bloke. But yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. And to have some friends there to watch and family was was amazing. And it's a, it's a memory for sure that will we'll live long. I want to touch quickly on um, MCCU and the, and the role that played in your progression over your last couple of years at university. Um, it's been announced that the MCCU scheme is being discontinued after this year. And obviously, there's been no play this year because of the virus. Can you just talk about how instrumental the scheme was in, in getting to getting you to, to where you are today and perhaps um, the frustrations that you can feel for, for other cricketers who won't be able to follow the same path as you did? I mean, I think it's I think it's really a really bad decision. Um, the scheme was... Uh, without it, I don't believe I'd be sat playing for the Oxford Cricket Club right now because it gave people mature at different times and people do... Systems aren't perfect. Good cricketers slip through the cracks of places and and somebody who's 17, if there's two people, one of them might be better at 17, but when they both get to 21, it might be, you know, clearly that the other guy had better, had more potential and he's better. So, I mean, you know, it, it was perfect because I never really knew I was going to go to university. I didn't really have that as a goal of mine in life, but then the scheme was there and it offered, it was perfect. You know, I could go to university, get a degree, have a, an amazing three years, at university, we trained as much, if not more, than I have done as a, as a professional player because it was almost like if you were at lectures, that's what we were doing. There was a good group of us and we always, a lot of us had a good year, got a lot of good mates there who just wanted to be pros like, like myself. And we, we pushed each other. If I didn't have the scheme in my last year at university and I didn't score the runs I did for university and get noticed, I, I wouldn't have got noticed. You know, I would have played for knots trialing a bit, but who would have known if they would have picked me, you know, if, have, if they hadn't have seen that I'd scored some runs against, you know, Sussex and Durham in those first team games. And they might not have taken the punt because I didn't really have any proven, well, I didn't have a proven track record in first team cricket, only second team cricket. So uh, this is a genuine question in that clearly for you, it worked very well, the MCCU scheme. But on the whole, do you think there's any sort of positive bias that you have in favour of it because it worked very well for you? Or do you think that generally it works well across the board because there's been a little bit of criticism from people saying that it doesn't produce that many cricketers? Well, I don't know if there isn't that much. I mean, I was... I think it goes in peaks and troughs. It's like everything. It's like all cricket. You know, you look at county age group teams. Um, the year that I came through at Yorkshire, we had, at one point, we had like eight or nine players from my 
like under 15 team are staff professional players now. And then you look at some other age groups and they might just have one. So I mean, it goes in peace and troughs. I think when I was at university, I was in a very good team and in a very good system. And even I hear, you know, the glory days, like when Leeds Beckett were, when Leeds met 2010 sort of time, they had like Joe Leach and Lewis Reese and, and it was absolute, like they, they really did push first team counties hard. So I can kind of see why people, you know, say, oh, well, there's not that many people that have come through. But if you do look at some of the names that have come through the list, like Sam Billings and and people like that, you know, there are a lot of players. And how do you kind of quantify it? Because, I mean, people deserve opportunities. And for people that it slips through the cracks and mature a bit later than others, then you know, cricket is different to other sports. You know, people do get better and mature differently. Like football, people tend to be amazing at 15, 16 because they've been playing since they were seven. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard, but I think that people are going to miss out. Teams are going to miss out on a lot of players now, you know, and it's, it's just a harder route into professional cricket again if the scheme's gone. I'm interested to know sort of in the professional setting what the thought is of the scheme because I think there's been a narrative that's emerged over the last few years where those pre-season games against universities have become a bit of a burden almost and it's you know I think um, it was it Chris Nash who tweeted a joke about you know going and getting bowled out by a, a double-barreled 17, uh, surname uh, 17 year old or whatever um, is there an impression that professionals now aren't that keen to, to play against the, the universities um, obviously I um, I've been on both ends of it now because I was I didn't play against Leeds uh, Leeds um, last year but I had 12 banned it so I was around the boys I went to the warm-ups and whatever I think when you're playing in the university team and we got spanked by Durham in my in my second year we were absolutely because they, they had an unbelievable team you know Mark Wood Rushworth Onions like they Keaton Jennings they really pulled out the, the cards and they, they really did um, trounces but um, <laughs> the feeling is when you're there is a bit like ah these blokes must be doing this just for the averages. You know, they're, they're just happy to kind of get their first first class averages up sometimes. But in other games, like we genuinely did, like we bowled Essex out for 300 and we were 140 for two in our second dig. I think we were ahead of them. So we were we had a lead. So, I mean, if that game goes on, I mean, who's to say we might actually play pretty well against them? So I think, I think it depends. I think you've got like some professional cricketers who might look at it a bit like a, uh, it's just a nice thing to kind of like get your average up, like try and get your average up or whatever. But there's a lot of like the younger lads. And I think if you, if you treat it right and the way I kind of looked at it was, you know, we're good cricketers. We will give you good practice for the, for going into your champo season. But it's also, if you look at it the other way, it's invaluable for the university students who are aspiring to be. I, I looked when I was at slip, I was watching like, Ian Bell and Jonathan Trotbatter at Warwickshire and I was just like I have watched Ian Bell's cover drive for years and now I'm seeing it from first slip and I didn't mind that he was spanking it to the rope every ball because I was just like this is amazing this is an incredible experience for us and to be able to talk to them and I had a really good chat with um, Ryan Tender Scarter at Essex about kind of struggles of trying to get to the, into the game and stuff and I think he still kind of remembers me as the bloke who got polled by Jamie Porter at university. <laughs> great picture of it, though. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's, you know, you've got some people, some players that might, you know, look at it as a bit pointless, but I don't think, I don't think that is the, the overwhelming opinion of the players. 
you know, it might be a small contingent. Well, I mean, every to, single uh, team sorry. needs a friendly, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, Bolton played Chorley before the start of the season. No, they're not that much different in talent now, but like generally, like you can't just play the top level sides all the time. You've got to play someone until the start of the season. Especially as a batter. I mean, as a batter, you need that. You need time in the middle and you need to like feel confident. So I think that's that's a good thing about it is that some batters, you know, like Johnny Tatt still got 100 against Leeds in that game. And that just really helped him kind of with his confidence. Just because, and Leeds, you know, they, they're a good team. But it's good cricket. So, yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame, but there you go. We want to um, <clears throat> life in lockdown and being a professional cricketer in lockdown. Because I'm sure that's um, something that people are sort of interested in and keen to hear about how you're coping. Can you, um, obviously you are re- rehabbing at the moment. So even if there was a season, you wouldn't necessarily be fit yet. But can you sort of talk about how you've been staying fit physically and mentally considering sort of can't leave the, the confines of, of your own four walls. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously, um, everyone, I'm, I'm unique, I guess, because I'm, I'm on the long-term recovery list. So I've got my own physio contacts and I've got my own program set by the SNCs and the physios to follow. That was from a knee injury, wasn't it? Did you dislocate your knee in Australia, was it? Yeah, dislocated my knee in Australia for the fifth time. So it kind of, kind of, uh, my knee didn't really have any ligaments left. So I've got a new one. Um, had some surgery. I've just been recovering from surgery since about December time. I was given sort of a four to six month recovery period, and I think I'd, I still won't be fit yet. But I think that's only because I've, I haven't had you know proper physio contact since this lockdown. So probably eleven, twelve weeks. I've not really seen him, but. I mean, my obviously mine is kind of unique. I've got my own stuff to do. I'm only not gymming on a Thursday, so that's my only day off. But everyone, like when I chat to everyone else, I'm in contact a lot with a lot of the boys. We've got a group chat. Uh, we've got our own little group chat with lads that I'm closer to. So we've had like group FaceTimes every sort of week just to kind of see how everyone's going. And our team psychologist, a guy called Mark Nesty, we actually did a session with him last week and we've turned that into we're going to do that weekly now because that really kind of helped us um what 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 sort of happened without trying to be too intrusive what happened in the in that meeting so you know mental health in cricket is such an important and, and prevalent aspect can you talk us through what was discussed there and so yeah we talked about so for example there was me tom colour matty fisher and josh poison in the call so you've got two batters and two all-rounders but two bowlers mainly um so for for example mark kind of asked us about he just said right i want you to describe your best innings for yorkshire that you can remember and describe how you felt and what your mind was like during your innings like how what were you thinking about and the overwhelming like word that kind of came out of that chat between all of us was about our best performances was like calm and that you weren't really thinking it just everything was when you're doing well in cricket that's the thing it's such a tough mental game because there's so many elements that you can overthink about but I mean when you think about the, the best times you've played were times when you weren't overanalyzing at all you were just like at Scarborough when I got my 100 genuinely I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about I think I was just hit I think I was just thinking about like oh just hit the ball for four the ball you're a bad ball hit it for four it's a decent lineup too. Yeah, they were they, they were a very good side. But yeah, I was lucky enough to um, play well on that day, and I was in a good bit of form, and everything kind of went my way. So 
Um, but yeah, so we chatted about stuff like that, chatted about um, some more sort of psychological stuff. We chatted about life after the game, kind of about, you know, is anyone, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, a lot of lads who haven't gone to university, you know, are now kind of doing sort of open university courses, like Fish has done a little taster in, a, in accountancy. Because I think this time is, is making people realise that, oh, right, so I don't want to be doing this when I'm 36, when I retire and be like, right, what can I actually do? So a lot of the guys are quite busy doing stuff like that. And, and Mark was interested in, in what people are up to. Kind of like, are you keeping your mind busy? Because some people are different. But like I think I'm I'm good at kind of doing nothing. Like obviously I've got my goal to do my, my knee and get that right. But I'm quite good at just chilling out. Whereas some people, it drives them insane. Like if they've not got a purpose or if they've not got to do this. And to be fair, if I didn't have my knee recovery, I don't have a purpose to like push, I probably would be losing my mind. But no, I mean the lads. The lads seem in a pretty good place. To be fair, um, I think they're they're, still, they're trying to keep their skills up in any way. Even if it's sort of thinking about your skills, just thinking about how just like tossing a ball in the living room. How hard do you think it is going to be for players when they do get back training? I don't think there's a fixed date on that yet for you. I know there is for the for the England boys who are going back next week or sort of tomorrow actually when the podcast comes out. How hard do you think it's going to be to, to get back into the swing of things, get back into training before uh, players sort of feel match ready, despite the fact there might not be any matches sort of to be ready for? It's a, it's a strange preparation phase, I suppose. It is very strange. Um, I think if we were back in training now and we were just training for the safety, I think I'd enjoy that. I think everyone, I think a lot of us would just enjoy hitting balls again and, and facing bowlers and getting back around that sort of setup. But with there not being a start date for our, our season yet officially, we're still furloughed and we're still not allowed to technically train yet. I, I don't know. I think personally, when I go back and train, it's going to be weird because the last time I was playing cricket was in Sydney. So I think it would be a bit like, a, a bit like a, oh, this is a bit weird and I'll be testing my knee out a bit and, and it'll be interesting for me. I think it was always going to be interesting for me, but obviously this has added to it. I think for, for the lads... I mean, you've got a lot of boys in our team that, are, that live, breathe, sleep cricket. And you've got a lot of the older boys like Pato and, and Livy and Brezzi who have literally been there, done that. So it's just going to be like, for them, you can, they're good because it, it's kind of like, it's just second nature now. They just get back into it and they, they know how to get themselves ready. Whereas for the younger lads like myself, I think it's going to be more difficult because I think what could happen is we'll probably push ourselves too hard. We'll probably go from zero to a hundred rather than build it up. We'll probably be like, if we get a start date, say we're allowed to start training and the start date is in three weeks, everyone will be like, all systems go. Like, so I think it'll be, it'll be hard to get a balance. It'll be hard to kind of get that, but I think that's what the coaches will will be good for and the physio and the SNC like our physio is already massively on top of us about our workloads and making sure that we're not overcompensating with our fitness work because a lot of the lads um, there's been a few little niggles around the group apparently lower limb because of all the road running everyone's doing because they've got nothing else to do so all they're doing is running so like Poisey rang me and said he had a sore knee from running and, and all that so I think you got away with that one. You got away with that one, not having to go running. Then. It sounds it sounds so weird. The idea that because you're on furlough, you can't do any training because you're like working. It's like HMRC is going to come around and knock down your door if you're doing some nets in the garden. It's how they're going to. It's, it's bizarre, mate. It's kind of just like it's all helping the club financially. So it's like 
for the greater good kind of we've got to, we've got to kind of stick to the rules but it is weird i mean i'm on i'm on um I've, i need like 100 percent physio access so it's like i've got to ring him now rather than him ringing me because that counts as him contacting me for work whereas if i ring him I can be like, I'm going to do this today. Is it cool if I do this? And it's like, yeah, that's sweet. Do that. Or now nah, maybe do this instead. So it, it's a bit of a bizarre notion. And, you know, we're a bit in the dark, to be honest with you. We've got plans in place about when we might come out of it, but that's all dependent on the, the global situation about what's going on and, and when we can actually get back doing stuff. Have you largely uh, resigned yourself to not playing this year, would you say? Or you've still got hope that, that there will be some cricket? I'm not sure. I'm getting less and less optimistic. As time goes on, I get less optimistic. Um, And talking to some more of the experienced boys, they're not really sure either. But I mean, even if we do get cricket, it sounds like we're probably just going to get the blast and it'll be behind closed doors, which will be really interesting because, I mean, it'd be like, I don't really know. You don't really realise how important the crowd is until they're not there. It just feels like I remember I watched um, Australia and New Zealand played a game at the SCG. Like they played one ODI behind closed doors. And I watched the highlights for it. And it's bizarre. It was just bizarre. It was like, what are they? Why are they even playing? I'd imagine imagine it's been strange for you going, especially in the one day stuff, going from um, playing at university with sort of one man in the dog watch and playing in front of, you know, thousand, couple of thousand people, especially at the. the county outgrounds, if you like, sort of like Scarboroughs, where where people come out and flock flock to to the grounds to then go back to playing with with no one watching might be a bit of a strange uh, strange phenomenon. Yeah, it might be a bit more strange for some of the older boys who haven't done that in years. Um, but yeah, no, it is that you need a crowd. Like the atmosphere is, is something that almost gees you up and gees you on. But yeah, it will be very if we do go down that route. Um, and they're probably just televised and there's no crowd. It will be very interesting. And it'll be interesting to watch for the spectators at home because you'll be able to hear Slick talking to the keeper. Mm. I think Archer said that he would be in favour of sort of getting some uh, crowd noise played out the speakers. Um, oh, yeah, it's not a bad idea. I couldn't decide if that was classical or actually quite a good idea or not. Who knows with Joffrey, he might have just said it for a gag. <laughs> he might have just said it for a lie. It's probably on a TikTok somewhere. Well, do you think from like, clearly like there's a lot of, in cricket, people aren't paid anywhere near as much as they are in football, for example. And understandably, like counties don't have the sort of financial clout behind them that like football clubs do. Do you find it sort of strange looking into other sports, which might be like very highly paid, where very, very highly paid millionaires aren't taking any sort of pay cuts when their clubs don't have any income. Yeah, I, I do think it's um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, we've we've been told and we've agreed to a, to a pay cut as a club, as players, um, because we understand... I mean, that's it's the whole understanding behind the, the sport of cricket is, is that it isn't as globally popular as football. And football has more money in it because of the massive sport that it is around the world. So we've, you know, we want to help out the club in any way possible. It means that the club is in a better place financially and it doesn't struggle. Then I'm more than happy to take a pay cut when I am legally not working. You know, that's, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're legally not working. And, and the majority of time, you know, we are exercising, we are doing stuff, but we're at home. I mean, this is a strange time that hopefully never happens again, but we all have to make sacrifices. So I think looking at looking at clubs like that and looking at footballers that are earning two hundred grand a week, it does make you think: Are you, can you seriously not take twenty percent or 
30% or off your weekly wage and, and it could maybe be reinvested back into the club. I'm sure there'll be some footballers, some footballers are great with it, you know, that are really good at kind of reinvesting or giving to charity or whatever. But I mean, yeah, I think it is interesting that cricket has been the one that's been like, okay, yeah, we're going to take page uh, wage cuts when, I mean, bloody hell, Max Rashford's him on, on a day that I would do in a year probably. So, I mean... <laughs> For the sake of clarity, are you on furlough now, which means you're getting 80%, and then you'll start being paid by Yorkshire, but you'll still be getting the 80% that are paid from the club rather than the government. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that is right. So at the minute, we're furloughed until the end of this month, um, un- unless that's... And then that's going to be reviewed at the end of the month. So they'll then be like, okay, we're going to have to furlough you further, or they're going to be like, no, it's cool. But we're, what's been happening whilst we've been on the furlough scheme is the government has been paying 80% and the club's been giving us the extra 20. So basically, I think what's happening there is that they're going to not give us the 20 anymore. They're just going to yeah, take the furlough. I think it's, I think they're putting the wage cuts in place just in case we can't get furloughed anymore and they have to start paying our wages again. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. You come at it, I suppose, from a very, very different angle from a lot of the other guys in the squad. You mentioned the, the older guys in the inverted commas, um, Live, Resnan, uh, Pato, who have you know, probably got a lot more financial responsibility maybe than you do. I know you just bought a house and you've got um, obligations in that sense, but I'm sure you can see how it would probably be a harder decision to be so accepting of a wage cut when, when you are at a stage when you have got more financial obligations. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, yeah, I've, I've got a mortgage to pay and stuff now. Um, but yeah, some of the younger lads who are still living at home have no bills, no wage, no rent to pay or whatever. I think they're obviously very happy to be like, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I mean, no one's really spending much money apart from online shopping apparently. So um, they can kind of just stick to that. But yeah, I imagine the lads with families and the lads that have a lot of bills to pay, it's, kind of, it's a harder decision for them. And I think that's something that people have got to remember that everyone's individual. Everyone has, you know, 20% to someone is, is, a, is a lot of money, you know, a month. Um, and if you've got two or three kids, um, then yeah, it's very tough. But um, I can't really speak for them. I've not really asked their opinions, but I think they're, I'm sure they're still on the lines of, you know, they've had good careers so they can hopefully last two or three months with a wage cut. You know, I'm sure they, I'm sure they'll be okay. But yeah, I understand that it's a, it's a more difficult decision for someone. Younger. I suppose it does, does speak volumes of the people uh, at the club and within the club that, you know, you're willing to take a cut, I suppose, for the, for the longer benefit, both of the club and, and themselves personally. You know, if, if, if you can take this cut now, then it might, might mean that you've got a bit more long, longevity in sport. Um, one thing I do want to quickly touch on is um, sort of contracts and, and the worry regarding that. I know that you've got another year, is it, after, after this one? Do you know what's going on with players who uh, will be out of contract and, and sort of what their situation will be at the end of the summer if they, if they don't play any cricket? I know what I hope would happen. I know that I'd hope that they would just get kind of a mulligan and just be like, right, through no fault of your own, you know, you, you haven't been able to play. So you can just, we're just going to re-add a year to the contract. But I hope that happens. But this is all speculation. I don't know what will happen. But realistically, if the club can't afford, we've got quite a big staff at Yorkshire. So, I mean, if the club can't afford to add people on another year to their contract at this current time, of what's happened then I mean I don't know some people might actually be told that the, the club can't afford their wages or the club can't afford to keep them on I really hope that doesn't happen because that would be the most unfair and unlucky thing to have ever happened to someone 
But um, I mean, the, I'm, I, we haven't really addressed contracts yet. I think that's more the PCA's role. You know, I think people that are worried or are sorting stuff out are going through that. You know, I haven't, I can't say I've spoken to one of the lads about a contract issue. Apart from boys that are safe, we've spoken a little bit about it and about what they think might happen. But um, it all kind of comes back to the hope of, well, we hope that they get another year or we hope that somebody gets another year to kind of, because this year's just right off. I mean, even if, even if we get the blast in, you know, you've got people like um, there's some of the younger lads and my, myself probably and Pato and people like that who might not actually play any blast. So through no fault of our own, we won't play any first team cricket. So, I mean, it's almost like, I think Nashi said it. I think I saw Nashi say something on a on an interview or something like that about saying that he feels sorry for the young lads that are starting out in their career rather than the lads at the back end because you want to try and like for me this year was hopefully going to be my kind of breakthrough year. You know, I was hoping to kind of get back fit by May time, miss the first sort of four weeks where it's nipping about and stuff, and hopefully come in when the weather's nice and get a few runs. So, I mean, for people at the start of their careers, it's really frustrating because it's almost like when you're young, you want to kind of get the experience that you need that's going to help you when you're 29, 30, 31 to be a cemented player. So I'm still sitting here with eight or nine first-class games. Um, so it's like, I, you know, I want to hopefully, I want to try and get more experience and try to play more uh, and learn my craft. But yeah, it's... Um, this has happened next year then you might be in sort of a situation where you've got a contract running out and in the previous year you didn't play any cricket because of your knee um, and, and you might be feeling very different so I suppose it's sort of luck of the draw and, and you're yeah. fortunate enough to, to have a bit of time on your side still yeah here. well there's no as I say there's no time pressure on me now with my injury so it's almost like I'm not relaxing I'm still working out every day and I'm trying to kind of get better get it right um but I mean, it is very good to not be sat here because I think it would be. Better. I don't think I realised how difficult it would have been because I know what I'm like and I am really impatient. So if the season was going ahead and the weather's been well nice, so the wickets would be alright. And and I hate watching when I'm when I'm injured. So yeah, it would have been really difficult mentally and and probably bad for me because I would have tried to rush back. So with this, it's it's almost as. as it's definitely not a blessing, but it is it is almost like a, an okay thing for me, like people that are injured. I mean, long-term, I, mean, I think Anur and Donald at Hampshire did his, his ACL or something, and he was meant to be out for this year. So I'm sure he sat at home thinking, this is horrible, I wish this wasn't happening, but also, at least I might not actually miss any cricket. No time thing. So, yeah, I mean... Every cloud, I guess. Uh, Will, I know you've got to get back to your rehab, so um, we'll stop the chat there. But thank you so much for being so so open and honest. I know that um, we certainly appreciate um, having you on on the on the podcast and, and hearing about sort of your, your life in professional cricket at the moment. And hopefully, um, things can get cleared up sooner rather than later. And we have a bit more clarity, and we all know the direction in which cricket may head. Will, thanks very much for coming on. We'll see you in a bit. Bye, mate. Bye, guy. Bye, bye. <laughs>